Welcome to the Mad Men Loops. My name is Mohammed. My name is Amr. My name is Sim. My name is Murtada. Today we have another roundtable discussion for you guys. The last time in our last podcast, we actually touched on this subject um, a little bit. We want to talk about unity and how it plays a role in Islam. Murtada, can you start us off with that? Yeah, I think we should go back to kind of rewind a little bit and where we started off last time. Uh, and I'm going to speak about myself for a little bit and about the different groups that I was affiliated with or took part in with. And and that way I think we'll paint a picture better for the audience. Uh, around high school time, I... Hey, wait, before we start off, we're going to let everyone know that we're not against anyone, okay? Yeah. If you're part of bringing Islam... Uh, using Islam as a positive force in your life and not as some mutilated version uh, that is very obvious to people where you're accepting a prophet after the Prophet We're not talking about those type of groups. We're talking about within Sunni Islam, the various factions within Sunni Islam and moving from there, how do we reconcile all these different ideas and uh, especially living in the United States or Western countries, how do we how do we move forward? Yeah. So, with that being said, I'm just going to give sure or a little bit of my own experience. And so, like I was saying in high school, I um, was affiliated with a group that was part of the spiritual branch of Islam. Uh, and then, uh, post high school, uh, when I kind of stepped away from that a little bit, uh, I was affiliated with a group that was more in line with the political version of Islam. They were very politically active. Uh, after, that was around college time, and then right after college time, I became more affiliated with a group of Islam that was um, Focus on. literal. It was a literalist kind of yeah. understanding of Islam. And, and then now in present day here, I find myself just trying to be in the middle. And the reason why I mention all of this is because looking at those groups collectively and being around those groups uh, in different phases of my life, I look at it now and I, I see the tension I saw or uh, the division that they had uh, between one another and, and the way they look at themselves and the way they look at other Muslims. And I sometimes saw it as counterproductive. Uh, and I'm not saying all these groups are counterproductive. I'm not saying anything. I'm only sharing my own personal experience. Um, I'm sure there's different people within the groups and whatnot. And the reason why we're mentioning this is because we were having a dis- discussion about the way the ummah is moving. And as far, whether we're becoming more divided or if we're coming closer together. And I think that for people in my age group or who have grown up with my similar background or experiences, they're realizing after all these years and different affiliations with different groups that all of majority of the things that people are arguing about are trivial in the bigger picture. And they realize that we have a bigger objective and that you can't waste your time arguing with people about small things uh, because at the end of the day, we all pretty much believe the same thing. And, and of course, I'm speaking about groups that are within the mainstream Islam, not groups that are out of the ordinary. I'm not extreme groups. or I'm talking about the ordinary groups that we all grow up around. And, and, and I think that's a very important point. And I think that... But some of the other guys here have different ideas of why you know we're becoming more, I guess, centered. And, and I just feel like, in my opinion, that I think a lot more people in our generation are, are growing up and they're realizing the the problems that m- many of these groups have with one another and the fact the fact that it lies in very trivial things and they're maturing and they're using their wisdom now to realize that we have a greater enemy uh, and a greater uh, agenda that we need to focus on rather than fighting w- amongst one another. Well, Sheikh Hammer, why don't you talk a little bit about what is unity? Is unity, what does that mean that I have to give up my my beliefs yeah, so am, I, I, am I sacrificing any part of me by focusing on on unity? If if I can just um, just touch upon what he said, uh, what uh, Mortza just said. Um, for me, one thing I realize is when you're around uh, uh, certain uh, groups uh, at a young age, they're giving you something that you didn't learn before. 
or that you didn't know before. They they gave you a certain type of zeal about something, so you cling on to it and you think, oh, this is it. This is awesome. It makes me feel yeah. great. It gives me the opportunity to express myself, and this is what I feel about Islam. And then you kind of mentally grow out of that, obviously, with age. Um, and there's certain things that don't make you tense anymore. And you come to something else, you're like, oh, wow, this is awesome. But even though I think that tendency gets lighter and lighter as, as you hop from group to group. And when I'm telling people, when, again, when we're saying hopping from group to group, we're not saying that's haram in Islam. We're not saying, but what we're trying to say in Islam, uh, because we may have been through that, is that if you are a part of a group, you shouldn't think that you have the ultimate cure for everything and everyone has to listen to you. That's not, that's not what the mindset should be. If you're a part of any type of initiative, I like to say, group is not group may have a different connotation. Any type of initiative to revive a certain portion of Islam, you should understand that you have to learn what the other group has to. Right? Yeah, so because every group has a role. A lot, a lot of movements, right? Uh, whether uh, they're focused on prayer or spirituality or tawheed, they all bring something, and that's something that I took from them at growing up. And I the cre- other groups won't bring that. Everything right? good about me, if there is any at all, there's nothing. I credit there's a lot good about yeah. me. The, I, cre- the I, I credit to every. <laughs> I credit to every group I, I encountered, and every cross paths with. Uh, yeah, and uh, every learned person from that group, I learned something. I took away something from them. That doesn't mean I didn't have any disagreements with them, of course. But what I learned, looking back at all these different groups I came into contact with and different personalities, is that there there shouldn't be anything that I should regret. I shouldn't ever regret meeting someone from some some other movement because all of them played a part in who I am today and were able to help me contribute back to me as a father, as a son, as a friend, as a coworker. All these different aspects of me have been influenced by all the different groups. So I feel like if we can work in that kind of a direction instead of focusing on the differences that you, you know what I find? That separate us. You know what I find really, and this is about myself. I remember when I was with a particular group or whatever it may be, I always tried to find the negative if I met a person that was in a different group from me. Right, yeah. right. And and that was something, and that was a problem within myself. And nowadays what I, what I try to do is I try to find the positive. It was, How, kind of, it was kind of a gang mentality, right? Yeah, it was a gang. When you're part of this, you have friends. Like how can I prove that person wrong? Right. Or how can I convince myself that that person shouldn't be listened to? I, I, you know, and here's the thing. When somebody wants to pick out a flaw in somebody, they can find a million excuses and a million things. And when somebody wants to find some good in somebody or a particular group, they can find a million good things. Right. And that's what was happening. Rather, and, and this goes back to something very important. You know, um, you should always try to find good and assume good about your brother. You know, right? uh, more, more recently, uh, there was I was talking to Sheikh Hamer about a very huge personality in the Muslim community uh, and in uh, Dawah in general. And I was talking to him about the mistake he made. He, he, he said some big error in Islam, and he put it on Facebook, and I was like, really upset about it, and I was sh- sharing it with uh, Sheikh Amr. But I realized um, as as that, that those feelings were growing in me, and I was feeling like this guy kind of, you know, he sold out a little bit. You know, he's selling out his religion a little bit. I realized that this guy, there could have been a million different um, scenarios or a con- the context in what he was saying could have been completely lost. Later on... Um, Someone explained to me something very beautiful. The, the scholars of today don't have, there's no, uh, they're always being recorded, right? And the scholars in the past, during the Prophet's time, or the Taba'in, or Taba'in, the generations that came after the Prophet, they never were recorded. So everything that is being said by every scholar that in our time today, they are Magnified. completely under 
Yeah, uh, under the magnifying glass. And, and it can be taken out of context. Yeah. Because you can take snippets. It happens all the time, in, in, in even outside of Islam, even in politics, even in, in, in movie clips, everything. People can take things out of context all the time. Actually, this is what non-Muslims would even do to the Quran. They take things out of context and they try to make somebody or something look evil. Yeah. Right? So you have to be very careful. It's always important. And, 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 and this goes back to one of the, subject, the topic I just brought up kind of in a way where you should always assume good about your brother. Even if you might think that it's something wrong, well, you should assume good until you can confirm with him, hey, do you believe this? Do you really think that? You know, find out his reason. Because many times there's people who have certain opinions or certain ideas and it's based on something, something you may not know. And it's happened even before. Like, you know what? Sometimes when you hear these people out who have different opinions, they actually have an argument they could make and say, you know what? Wait a minute. This is not as clear cut as I thought it was. You know, so why am I even questioning this? It's all about how much you learn, you know? Sure. Remember, how much you learn, yeah. We, we sat in a circle together with a, with a brother who was telling us about one of the great scholars of Syria and how he supported Bashar al-Assad's family. Yeah. But yeah. he was an amazing scholar. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? As far it's, as and it, that scholar, it's public. It's public course, knowledge, so yeah. we can mention his name. No, no, of course. His support. Well, for I the, think he passed away now. No, no, he did. Yeah. Allah yeah, yeah, he passed. Yeah. Um, so we're was, not talking ill of him, but man, who knows what 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 scenario what he was? But I, I I want you to you tell us. We we know that he supported um, Bashar al-Assad's government, but what? Tell us a, a little bit. Yeah, tell us what he brought to Islam and and how yeah. he benefited. Yeah, so so there historically uh, many people. Well, first mention his name. Yeah, Sheikh Ramadan al Buti, uh, who wrote many amazing books. Amongst them is uh, the Fiqh of Sirah. You know the the that many people will use. All groups, all different walks of life will see this book and they'll find it amazing, and uh, and that's just one of them. But he uh, was probably one of the biggest scholars from Syria in our contemporary times. But people uh, scrutinized him due to him supporting Bashar al-Assad. But that has to be, again, understood historically that Bashar al-Assad's uh, 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 father and I think it was Sheikh Ramadan al-Buti and his family, they go back as family friends from a long time ago. So, um, and they were kind of like uh, families that helped each other in the past and they continued helping each other, you know. Um, but still, uh, and nonetheless, his knowledge the way it dispersed throughout uh, all of the world, basically, um, that can't be undermined. And he brought a lot to the table. How did he bring a lot to the table? Is that he was able to take many principles from the past of the Sharia and apply it to today or translate them into action today, which is not a very easy thing to do, right? Um, which means that you have to understand the reality of the time of the Prophet ﷺ, and you have to understand the reality 1,400-something years later, and it has to, every generation that changes, like our generation from 100 years ago from now was completely different, right? And the hundred genera- uh, uh, 200 years before us was even more different. Right. And 300 years, so it's actually like a step-by-step process of going through all the gen- generations and see how you mend everything together and make it quote unquote palatable for everybody and not in, in order for not in order for uh, no there's no disunity to be caused. And the same thing also goes, you know, as, as long as we're talking about scholars, he's still alive, you know, uh, 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 Sheikh Yusuf al-Qardawi, he was under a lot of scrutiny because of certain fatwas that people claim that he made or he may have even, or he may have made. But again, like you were mentioning that Muhammad Amr said, every single person is a human being, right? And every human being, no matter what happens, he's always going to make some type of statement that not everyone's going to agree with, right? That's just a part of being a human being. Right. Now, that doesn't open the door for us to start uh, accusing him of different things or telling everyone to disown him or stay away from him because of one or two fatwas that he made that were incorrect. That's not the spirit of Islam. The spirit of Islam is that if he is your brother and he said something, and if you try to correct him, he's not listening to you, oh, well, move on. Right. Yeah. Right. Let the authorities deal with it if it even is that blasphemous, which I doubt anything was. Right. And, yeah. and so th- th- that's not even a problem. Right. And uh, even if your brother, and I'm just letting everyone understand this, it may be a bold statement to some people, but even if somebody says something blasphemous, first you have to understand okay, when this person says something blasphemous, right, uh, what was his mental state like, first of all? Yeah. 
What was his emotional state? Did he understand what he's saying? What is his? Not, not only that. That's that's even later. Yeah. But like, what was his stress levels like? How yeah. what's he going through in life right now? Right. So is it depends he, why yeah. he says something. What he does well, something. Remember that one's uh, that singer in Pakistan who said something. You know that, Pakistani music? Yeah, no, no, that, that <laughs> one. Awesome. Uh, he, the Nasheed guy, Jinnah Jamshid. Uh, I'm kidding. Jinnah yeah, Jamshid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. great example. Yeah, what awesome did he example. say that, that people wanted to... Well, no, people what happened, wanted to kill him. Yeah. No, no, what happened was this. I, I don't know if, you know the, if you're familiar with the story, are you? Yeah, yeah, I saw the clip too. Yeah, yeah, so what happened was basically he was narrating a hadith or saying a story and he kind of... Narr- said it in a way he got which, comfortable which some people would have deemed inappropriate or too relaxed when talking about the wife of the Prophet right and it wasn't really that disrespectful it wasn't I saw it it, it was just very bad. relaxed in terms of you know as a joking man like how a, a lighthearted situation of what was happening yeah. right and some people just went crazy. Like he's the enemy of Rasulullah. He hates Ahlul Bayt. He yeah. hates he he hates the wife of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He he and, and they and to the he point he didn't mean any of that. Yeah, dude. he didn't. And he was just trying to convey a point to the people that were listening to him. He was trying to give Dawah the best way he knew how to, and he was trying to appeal to the people that he was you know, speaking to on their level. Yeah. It wasn't like anything ill-intended. It, it wasn't even ill-intended. Even the words weren't ill. You can, and yeah. I'm just going mm-hmm. to attempt Go ahead. to kind of uh, relive that because I saw it. This is how the news came to me. Jane Jamshed is being exiled out of Pakistan and people want to kill him. <laughs> I was like, what? Because a lot of my family members and stuff, they listen to him. So I was like, what, what do you want to kill him? I mean, they, he was so loved by Pakistan. Right? right. So what's causing him to, you know, who's hunting him down? So I hear this clip of his now. I'm like, okay, this is the reason why he's going to be killed. Okay, all right, let me listen to this. So I listen to this clip, and he's just being, uh, um, uh, when we try to deliver uh, uh, something about the Prophet's time or the Sahaba, a wise speaker, what he tries to do is he wants you to understand that that time is not impossible to recapture. That's one thing of a da'i. Most da'is, maybe not scholars all the time, there's a difference between a da'i and a scholar in a lot of times. But a da'i himself who wants people to get uh, uh, attracted or, or um, uh, I don't even know what word I'm looking for. but Just, just bring them um, closer to Islam, to yeah. right? To, so it doesn't seem impossible to follow Islam. So what, what he does is he was talking about Aisha and he was talking about, I'm not going to say exactly what he said, again, because people may misunderstand what I'm saying. But he took uh, the the intuition and the disposition of how women may be in a general way. Yeah. The human nature. The human nature. Thank you. There's awesome. a human element of the prophet's relationship with his wife. Yeah. And he was talking about that. And he was talking about the he was talking about the wife, how she was very human, basically. We have a, what we try to do is we try to humanize everybody, right? Right. And right. that's that's one way of understanding the Sahaba. Absolutely. You have to understand how human they were so we can see that hey, even they had issues like we did. But look how amazing they were. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's what he was trying to do. That's what I thought. But I, I, that's how I was seeing it. I was like, why do people want to kill him over this? So it's all about it's all about uh, uh, how you see things, right? But you know what this goes back to again? Assuming good about your exactly. brother. Exactly. That, yeah. no, that if is you can assume good about your brother, yeah. you can wipe away half of his shabaha immediately. Yeah. You know, you'll say, you know what? You know, he meant good. Maybe exactly. I didn't understand him. Maybe he was having a bad day. Yeah, maybe he just didn't know English or, or maybe he wasn't exactly. communicating well. Maybe his language wasn't that strong. Yes. Maybe he's not as a, maybe I could have worded it better and he doesn't know the language as well as I do. There's so many excuses. And well, I, I just want to go back to one thing real quick though. We were talking about Ramadan al-Buti. You know, fine, he may have supported Bashar al-Assad, Right. But do you know how many... I could think of a hundred reasons right now why he might have done that. Exactly. Uh, how do you know... I mean, people know how brutal the Assad regime is, right? How do you know his family wasn't being held captive? Exactly. How do you know they weren't going to... I mean, forget about his own life. What if, what if they were endangering his family's life? No, what even people you, that knew him personally, yeah, they said... Yeah, and actually, I knew, I knew someone who knew his family. Yeah, no, I knew him, the, and they said that, you know, literally, he didn't really support him. He just was... What, what he was trying to do was he was trying to... Keep it relatively like he wanted to avoid bloodshed. That, see, that's a lot of times that that's one thing. One thing is that if you tell people to go back to who the original ruler was, then less bloodshed is going to occur, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times somebody who's who's trying to be a doctor for the ummah, he tries to see where can least damage occur, right? And one other thing that we were mentioning was Bashar al-Assad and uh, the Ramadan al-Buti and his family. They were family friends for a long time. 
you know, his father, Ramadan al-Buti's father, and Hafid al-Asad, who was uh, uh, Bashar al-Asad's father, they were good friends, you know, from their old village that they used to live in before all this even happened, right? But you, I, I want to, again, skip to the thing about, you said word usage. This is something really, really awesome. Uh, one of my friends was telling me, and this is the same thing I experienced in Egypt, is that when you would go to a highly educated school for your kids, elementary school, if they know whether you're from the States or you're not from the States, they'll say, everything we have in Arabic, they'll say, everything we have is modern. Everything we have is modern. That's their selling point. Yeah. No, 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 everything's modern. Everything's modern. But to us, modern just means contemporary, right? To them, modern means super advancement, right? Right. So, And if you're talking to my parents' generation, you say modern, that's super negative, right? Very negative. Yeah, he's like modern you're losing or your culture, advanced. Your values. My like, parents were telling me that the word advanced in India, if you use that for people, that means they're super westernized until they lost their Islam. Yeah. Advanced. Yeah. Advanced to us is something awesome. But yeah. for us, we say advanced, we're looking for that. Exactly. I think Muslims in the generation are looking for a way to incorporate our advancements with our, complement our exactly. religion. Exactly. Not our religion complements our advancements. Exactly. No. We want our advancement advancements to complement our beliefs, exactly. right? And because they should, you know, yeah. and, we, and we don't believe Islam is opposed to that. Yeah. A lot of times, people think that Islam means that you have to live in a certain age or mentality of a certain age yep. or, or certain time, and you have to go through lots of difficulty yeah. unnecessarily. There's one thing if you're burdening difficulty because you're Islam is one thing, yeah. but some people think you have to. Like I know some individuals that live super simple, and they may think. That everyone has to live that way. And yeah. there's some people who believe that the harder something is for you to do and the harder you make it to do, the more reward there is in it. Yeah. And that, that's not a concept from Islam. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If it's already hard for you to do and it's difficult, sure, I think, I, correct, me, correct me if I'm wrong, no, but no, I will reward you for that. But you can't make something hard on yourself and expect more yeah. because the Prophet would have chosen the easy way to do things. Right? Yeah, he chose right. the easiest path. Uh, well, without going on, on that t- tangent, yeah. Let's focus on a little bit on the uh, generational divide that we have, uh, where we have some people from the older generation who have a different understanding of Islam. Now, people from our generation, we're in our 30s, uh, are, who've been through all the different movements and different ideas. We're finally coming to a reconciliation of all these different ideas that were thrown at us. And then now there's... The young bucks. The young guys. The like, new, new. Like our friend I'm, Moga. Like Moga. I'm in my 20s. I just want to throw yeah. it out there. You're new, Late new. 20s. So have... <laughs> 20s. Where is the Ummah headed? Are we headed towards more towards unity? Or are we still in the same place we were 20 years ago? Yeah, what do you feel about that? No, but when you're saying the generation gap... Yeah. Not gap. Uh, as far as, let, let, let's look at this. Okay, as far as your parents' generation, the where were they in terms of unity? And look at our generation... Where, where were we in terms of unity and this new generation? Where are they in terms of unity? Do you think it's getting better? Okay. Has it gotten worse? Are we stagnant? Where are we? I see what you're saying. Um, I personally feel with dealing with uh, many different individuals um, in the past, present, I feel that we are getting, we're, we're in a more united state or we're moving towards unity more. And I think I have the reason for Across that. Across all generations? Yes. Or, Collectively, it's, it's a certain we're type becoming of unity. more united. It's a certain type of unity. I think we're being forced to in okay. a good way. I think, uh, okay, go ahead. Because I think that the emergence of uh, groups like ISIS and, and, or just, let's just say ISIS itself, let's just use that right. as an example. A lot of individuals, since that is the litmus test for them in a certain way, they don't want to be associated with that. And they know they're not associated with that. Alhamdulillah, none of us and none of us know anyone that's associated with that. And they're doing everything they can to not be associated with that, not even that group, that mindset of that group. No one wants to be linked to that mindset of that group. So now they're being more careful. And the beautiful thing about being careful is you undermine other people's faults. That's what I see. The more careful you are about things, and it doesn't. This is just my theory, but I have seen less. Um, even people that I knew that may have been harsh in certain things, and it's not political things, just in religious and ritualistic things, they're a little more forgiving now, right? And again, that can be because they're maybe getting older. Do you think they're that way because they realize um, what happens when you become too extreme in that way? Like they see ISIS and they see them being very extreme against people and they fear that maybe they'll, they'll become extreme in that Let in me that tell sense. you something really awesome about that. We were having a discussion uh, in a masjid that I was in and there was probably about 30 people there, 
And when we were having this discussion, it had nothing to do with anything political. But as soon as somebody mentioned ISIS, everyone, whatever differences they had, if especially the ones that were being a little vocal, they were very calm after that. Right. And I just observed that, right? Because I was just sitting and listening to what everyone was talking about. I barely even talked. I was just observing everything and just taking everything in. Um, and I realized those people were very vocal. As soon as ISIS and everything came up, they felt a little almost shy of being vocal at that time. Yeah. Because they're re- you have this huge monstrous stigma now, and you don't want to have anything that's related to that inside. You, you know what's, what's really interesting is that I think people look at ISIS... Daesh, and they see a living example of extremism. Yeah, what happens right. when you have extremism anyway? Because that could be you. You could be. I mean, technically, ISIS gave birth to uh, other extremes and was born from an extreme, right? So you have extreme. Uh, technically, you, you can consider ISIS to be an extreme Sunni group. Right. You have extreme Shiite groups. Right. You, there were even extreme Sufi groups that were fighting inside of Iraq against ISIS. At one point, they were fighting with ISIS, yeah, right? Yeah. So you saw so many extreme groups, right. and they pulled together, and you're like, everyone's like, whoa, I am not that. I mean, well, listen, there and are on, people... And on the flip side, we're also seeing the other side of extremism where... There's oh, liber- oh, uh, liberal extremism. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to that too. But you know what? The funny thing though yeah. is that <laughs> even me and that liberal guy, we're both like, "Yo, we don't like ISIS." Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> you know, but no, no but, but then, no, but then but here's the thing. Now here comes the problem. By liberal, you know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about like William Foundation, Majid Nawaz. Well, you know, okay. The, well, that, that, I, I, here's the thing. That sector. Yeah, that guy. Uh, that, that guy. You know, he. Um, I mean, honestly, he has his own agenda, and and I'll be honest with you, I don't find no. He, he his no. agendas. Even his brothers have called him out. His yes. own blood brothers. Yeah, I know. I know that called him out. On and, and, and the thing is, and the reason why I'm not really like using it as an example is because um, I think he's really the only isolated case that does that. You know, you know what I mean. Like, I, I know, I know there's other liberal groups, but they still try to make no other liberal group um goes to extreme like he does, where they say, you know what, I want to take out ayat of the Quran or I want to like you know do things like that it's like him and Irshad Manji yeah yeah. I mean those people they're always going to be there right for example there was a group in Egypt that wanted to make a layman's Quran and a a scholar's Quran right Right. stuff like that those are people who will never ever be accepted in this ummah ever you know what I mean but we found the the two boundaries though right yeah exactly but the the reason why ISIS is scary is because they were using the arguments that people some people in the beginning were saying you know what this is Islam like, right. This could possibly be Islam. Like some people, yeah. the, those people, like like Quillian Foundation, and no one ever thinks, no one takes them serious yeah. by by majority. Yeah. But ISIS looked appealing to people who actually practice their religion. That was the scary part about it. It's not just because that, it was an outlet too. Yeah, it was it was an, it was outlet, an outlet. It was a channel. It was a event, it was a it was an outlet for frustration, anger, <laughs> payback. You know, all these things people could. They, you know what? Sometimes some people felt. ISIS is doing what I wish that I could do in, in retaliation, right? They felt like, you know what, maybe I don't want to do that, but I can understand why they're doing that, or whatever it may be. But the problem is that ISIS was more appealing to individuals because they actually were branding themselves as authentic, real. Look, this is the Sira. And they actually did do a very good job of manipulating uh, the religion and even the shit of the Prophet and this is very dangerous because and this is what happened and then the problem is the reason why people hate it so much now is because they realized what kind of twisting they did and so you know what we definitely do not want to be like that and that kind of twisting only happened because of extremism yeah. and I think right now and, and, and right now people realize that you know what uh, we may not agree on everything but we are definitely united against any type of extremism now whether it be extreme liberalism or extreme, you know, like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like ISIS type mentality, right? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter, right? Everyone's against it. And I think uh, Sheikh Hamer touched on that a little bit. But again, why do you think, besides this point, uh, I think you mentioned earlier, you felt that the, the gap is closing. Now, I, I, I know you feel like that. I think we're just united on one principle, that we don't want to be like ISIS. But do you think collectively, I mean, in terms of arguments, like, you know, a, a message that would be maybe, quote, Diobandi, a message that's, quote, Salafi, or, quote, Sufi, do you feel like we've gotten 
over those things yet, or are we still battling with that? Are we still in battle with that as an ummah? Because I don't see that going away. I feel like people who who are who are new to the religion, or who are uh, recently practicing, or who have just been um, you know gr- grow up in a certain household, they're still sticking to that very much. And there's a lot of arguments and discussions about this. Well, it's at, still there. At least in the Chicago area, I've been to a few different masjids that in the past were not open to different ideas, and now they're much more open to different khatibs coming from different uh, schools of thought and different um, movements and backgrounds. So from my perspective and my experience, just from from visiting these different masjids, it seems like it's getting re- more relaxed. Yeah, and I think what we're trying to say more relaxed is, I mean, this is what I mean by that, is that people are always going to have their principles and they may be very cutthroat on them and they're no pun intended they're going to be very very serious about these thoughts but um they the way they interact with people now is not as extreme or not as tough you know okay meaning that because people are always surrounded by their by their own group right and the 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 my advice to individuals who are running sessions or or giving uh halakas to their own groups is that you should inform them you know, inform anyone that you're speaking to at all times, especially uh, people who uh, are are at the same at, with the same initiative as you. Is you should let them know that everything that you have or that you're learning here is just a portion of bringing Islam to people. It's not everything, because there's no one group that can tackle everything, all dilemmas and everything. You know what I'm Ma- saying? Muhammad, what, what's what's going on in your age group in in the twenties? I was just uh, going to ask him that. What, Me too. What, what's What's like, the, well, let from me your own experience, yeah. Let me, let me uh, have you been around college? No, dudes let, let a me lot. put something. Like in your in your college group or your university you go to, I'm sure there's an MSA, uh-huh, right? Is. So give me a little bit. Give us older guys because we remember how our our, our MSA, our MSAs, we used to battle. Yeah, we battle used to hard. like fight it out. Like you know what? <laughs> Get that Amir out. He's too liberal. Get that he's too strict, or he his ideas are crazy. You know, it, we would actually have. I mean, voting sessions in the middle of the year to get somebody out. So I want to know, like, in your generation, what is the environment like in college institutions now with regards to different Muslim groups, backgrounds, identities, different schools of thought? How does that flow in 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 like college days now? You know, everything um, from what I saw our MSA, everything's very relaxed. I mean, um, nobody really. Um, nobody's really too concerned with the out- outside world, to be honest. Um, everyone just kind of does their own thing. Um, you know, another trend I'm seeing, too, is, um, you know, as Muslims, as, as young Muslims now, everyone's a bit more, they're a bit more liberal. You know, they're a bit more, um, I don't want to say too liberal. I mean, they still do their thing. They still pray. They still have their certain beliefs. But, um, you know, they're just a bit more open. They're not really, I don't, I don't think these these things are a concern of uh, of ours. Um, I mean, to be honest, it doesn't really come in, up. In our MSA days, there we used to be worrying about. Okay, this person is coming into our MSA with an agenda. He's going to take trying to take over our MSA with his beliefs. No, no. Um, yeah. We, we, what about like what about like juristic difference of opinions and fiqh and stuff? Would people no, like um, like like oh why is he praying like that? So, why is so he, what no, happens? No, why is he wiping over in my socks? school? Um, we literally we pray side by side, like we say, we pray right next to. So Shiites, wait, so give me. Shiites, let me ask you Israel. something. We all pray together. Um, what happened at a typical MSA meeting? Like when you guys come in, like what is it like? Give me a walkthrough. Like, is it like, <laughs> I wish I could tell you I never went to one. <laughs> wow. They wow. have free pizza though. How you plan to get married? Dude? <laughs> How you plan on getting married, dude? Just figure out MSA meeting. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, no, I don't know, but um, I, I, I don't really see um. You know, dude. Um, you know, in school, nobody talks about ISIS. Nobody yeah. talk. Nobody I wouldn't says, expect oh, you guys to either. I mean, yeah. I mean, nobody comes. You know, comes back on Monday says, "Yo, it's like, did you hear what so and so scholar said?" Nobody cares about that. You know what I mean? I think the biggest issue we have is Zabiha versus Nazbiha. That's so. Maybe oh, so, the so you guys thing. still have some stuff like that. So let me give you an example. When we were growing up, or a little bit after when we were in MSAs, uh. A big dilemma was people in while they did wudu, they would wipe over their socks, mm-hmm. right, like cotton socks. Yeah, and people wouldn't pray behind an imam who wiped over his socks because they didn't believe that it was allowed. For instance, mm-hmm. do those do you still hear about those type of dilemmas and separating the MSA because of those kind of things? No, not at all. I've uh, I've never I've never had okay. that happen. Okay, now now is that a concern? Being too indifferent towards, you know, not, not having a discussion. 
you know, is is that is that worrisome at I, all? I, I, dude, I don't know. Um, I, I to, to be honest, me myself, I'm not too, I'm not well read on that, so I don't yeah. know. Um, I've prayed behind people who <laughs> wiped over their socks. I prayed behind people who took off their their socks to make wudu. That doesn't matter to me. But I mean, have you prayed yeah, behind I, someone I, who ate non-zabiha? Oh, that's a tough one. That's. That's a deal breaker for some people. <laughs> yeah, no, he's right. Yeah, no, oh, no, there's right. some people who... You think he's who, joking, dude? You know, there's some really? people no. who, well, you know, if they don't wear a kufi, you can't pray behind them. Yeah, dude. Or if you don't have a beard long enough, you can't pray behind yeah, them. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I know you we know? don't have And, and, and I'm not that. saying, I'm not, I'm not targeting any group here. Everybody has the right, I mean, to think what they want to think. But what I'm saying is, I, and I think I know what Dan just asked you. I think we kind of skipped that question. I think it's important that... Um, is it a concern? You know, no, the, the no. The thing is about is it too? It be, is being too relaxed and not worried about any of these issues a problem too? Because sometimes a lot of these issues that are happening. Let me let me try to make this point. We grew up in a time when there was a lot of arguing and bickering, and that kind of forced another generation to be like, you know, what? we don't even want to talk about this anymore. We don't even want to be around these people anymore because it's all it is is fighting and hypocrisy. Right. And they've gotten so far away. They're like, you know what? We don't even want to talk about religion anymore. We just want to be what we do, and that's it. You know, we don't care. And now, is, is that a problem? You feel like it? it, it let's not mistake that for unity, because that's not unity. That's just simply distance. That that's to me. Yeah. That's, that's a form of disunity. You're disconnecting yourself from the ummah. Yeah. You're saying, you know what? I don't really. I, you're, you're become. You're, you're turning into, into isolation, right? And I don't think. It and that's can what I'm worried be. about. I, that's a, that's a really awesome. I never actually really thought about it that way. But what if? And this is something really cool that I think we have to sit back and look at, that the first generation that came to the United States, as far as Islam is concerned, and we're talking about contemporary times, um, was in the 70s, mid-70s, right? Yeah. So Islam hasn't, as, as, as practiced now in 2016, it's been, it hasn't been that many years if you really think about it, right? And uh, now... Our generation, we kind of went through a different struggle than our parents did with Islam. And the next generation that's coming up. So maybe all this is supposed to happen, right? Because it's a way of feeling out the situation as far as all the Islam. It's growing pain. It's gr- exactly. They're learning from us. Yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you them, something. You know what I'm saying? Our parents' generation, all they wanted, all they focused about or on was... Let's just have a center where we can pray. Exactly. So we're not we're not going to pray. And we're not renting out a gymnasium. We're not we're not praying. You know, in someone's basement. We don't care who covers themselves. Yeah. We don't care. No, none of that. They didn't have no, to come. No, you and know this what? Is an awesome. No, point. to I'm be sorry honest, to though, wait. To be honest, they didn't have to because they already had that in them, right? No. Most of them come from conservative families back home. Even if they weren't practicing, they still covered. It yeah. was not an issue for them. You know, it, they just had these values they came with. They didn't have to deal because by the time they came here, they were, these values were already embedded in their culture. Forget yeah. about whether they understood the religion or not. Yeah. It's they came from places that culturally had religion embedded in their society. No, so, but what, what I'm trying to say is that their main priority, they didn't care. They just wanted a place to pray. That's and, it. And, and nothing and, else matters. Let me also finish this thing. And that was why they created that. But their main objective was to survive. Yeah. Honestly, they. you know what? Let's get a job, raise our kids, get citizenship, right? Yeah. And then we're done. Get our kids married. Get, get them in college. Yeah. And education and make sure that there's something. And I, the religion, and I feel bad saying this, but in a lot of ways, in a lot of families, religion took a backseat. Because it was, and, it, and I don't blame them, because it was a, out of desperation. You know how when people come, you have to survive first, right? Before, and, and, and like, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but any human being, even Allah recognizes that in the Quran, that if, when, when things are dire needs, you tend, to, human beings will do what they have to do first to, to feel secure and safe, yeah. right? And so that took a backseat. And now we're in a generation where we have the luxury of actually thinking about that we can argue about different things in the religion. Yeah, that's pretty They awesome. didn't have the luxury to argue about religion. They said, you know what? We just have to find a place to pray so we can just have a Juma. You yeah. know what I mean? Like now we have to we have the luxury of arguing where should we pray Juma? <laughs> should I go to the Salafi place? The should Sufi I go to first place, Jummah, the or second Jummah? Yeah. The se- you know, they, they didn't have that luxury. Yeah. You know? And, and 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 so that we uh, us growing up in that we saw all this bickering and fighting because of that luxury. And I think now the new generation is like, you know what? Uh, we don't want to be part of that. We don't want to, we just want to chill. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of drama going on. And I think it, we, and, and, and now we're at a place where we're like, you know what? I think we're rectifying both. We're rectifying, and I'm just going to wrap this up here, my point. But we're, I find myself rectifying my parents' logic 
and the new generation's logic. Mm. And find the middle and say, you know what? I want something established. We need to have it in our culture and our religion. It's embedded in us. Same time, I want to be relaxed in terms of viewing other people. I don't want to be worried about other people's religions and what they're doing as far as being obsessed with what they do, how they pray, what they eat. No. If they're Muslim, they're Muslim. Hey, I know you. Salam alaikum. How you doing? Good. Everything's good. All right. I'm on my way. That's it. I think that's the beautiful thing about being raised between two generations is yeah. that you can see benefits in both sides and try to be the middleman. That's pretty awesome. Sorry, Sam. I thought you were about to say Go, something. Um, oh. Actually, going back to last week um, or our last uh, talk, um, maybe the Muslim identity is changing. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not what it used to be. Um, I mean, for our school, um, my school, actually not even my school, just people in my age, one thing I notice is um, you – uh, you know, religion does take a back, backseat. I think it's kind of sad to say. I think it's just the truth. I think it's just one of those things you got to face. Um, but the main concern is, you know, it's this world. You know, go to school. You know, go to go to med school. Become a doctor. This, that, whatever you're going to do. You know, do that. Pray your five times. You know what I mean? That's kind of second, though. It's like first school, then second. Then, you know, hey, if you have time, go learn a little bit about Islam. Or go go memorize. Go, this, the, go do this and that. But, um... I don't know if I I, I, don't, I don't know if I'd say I, if that in, was in our generation we had that too. It's not that we're we're just talking about the people who were more involved in uh, movements and uh, ideas and things like that. There were a, a whole bunch of people in our colleges who had who didn't care, not necessarily not care. That's the wrong word, but religion did take a backseat, and they were more concerned about you know their career and their school. They call it secular. Sure that, yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily even. I mean, secular, but that's what they call it, right? Yeah. Oh, these guys are secular. They care about secular how'd, stuff. How'd, how'd you, how do you guys think? How do you rectify the two? I mean, do you just focus? on You know how I, you, you know, in my honest opinion, what I believe in, in uh, this is my humble opinion, but it comes from a simple du'a: Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana. Give me good in this life and give me good in the next life. So you should take what's good in here. If it's good for you, Allah That's make things amazing. halal for you. Knowledge, earning, He's given you a body to make, a mind to use. Use your things for good. Just because you're Muslim doesn't mean you have to ignore this life. Yeah, we I mean, live here for a reason. It starts with your intention, right? Yeah. Make, make your intentions. You're, you're pursuing the worldly life, you know, um, big house, nice car, and all that. But you want your intention so that you can do a lot of benefit with your the wealth that you want to attain, right? Yeah. So when you have that as your kind of a focal point where your or your pivot point where you can um, always you know go and go off and buy that big car and spend money on on yourself, but you can always come back to your religion very easily. And when someone needs help with uh, financially or a masjid needs support or uh, some refugee centers asking for your help. There, it's not difficult for you at all to help in any way you can. I think yeah. we talked about this before too. I mean, not hey. everyone's cut out to be a scholar. Not everyone's going to be, you know, a hafiz. Not everyone's going to be, you know, that well read in, in terms of the dean. Absolutely. There's going to be certain people that have money. There's going to be certain people that ha- that are more knowledgeable than others. You know what I mean? And, and I think we all should just take what we're good at. And, uh, you know, work towards Islam. I mean, Absolutely. work towards making yourself a better person. But take your strengths and amplify that. You know, work they, on they, that. They were very wealthy Sahaba, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who, Abdul oh, dude, extremely wealthy. Yeah. Uthman Uthman Uthman. What, are, what are the stories about him? Didn't he ha- wasn't there like slaves or something that cared well, around you know as what? well? I'll tell you something. Well, before I do that, uh, Sheikh Amir, I don't want to say something that's wrong, but I, th- I did quote that thing, Rabbana Aatina fi dunya hasana. But if I'm correct, right, it that was intending mean a, a good spouse, right? I mean, that was the meaning behind that. That's one of the meanings. Okay, but it I, means I don't want to say anything that's good and pure in this. Okay, dunya, I don't want to make sure I didn't say anything wrong because I know this, I don't know if it's the right opinion because I don't want to say something and twist it to meet my understanding. You your know, agenda. But, you're one of the. Yeah, agenda. my agenda exactly. <laughs> my agenda. Basically, I'm telling you I have to go out and buy nice things. No, <laughs> um, no, but yeah, but no, you're right. There were there were people, those Sahabas like Abdurrahman bin Auf, who had a lot of money. They said whatever he would touch would turn to gold, and. uh Uthman radiallahu anh, he was his 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 title was Al Ghani, the one who was rich, right? And his money is what benefited Islam the most. I mean, out of I mean his ability to spend. Abu Bakr, I mean, aside from being a Siddiq, truthful, he was also known to give whatever he had. You know, this is what. Um, so people had different attributes of themselves or different aspects of their life 
that impacted Islam and were vital for the continuation of Islam. Whether it be their brains, their physical strength, their money, I mean, all their intuition, their firasa, anything. Some, some of these people benefited in ways that a common person would benefit, you know? I mean, there were people who uh, would simply just come up with military plans. Or, uh, a, 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 for, for example, Salman al-Farsi. The whole idea of al-Khandak, the, the ditch, the trench. He brought a simple idea from Persia of how they defended their land. And that's what they, 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 you know, had the battle of the ditch based on that. The Everyone, whole battle. Everyone's got something they can something bring to, to bring into, and that goes back to what you were saying. Let, let me ask you guys this: um, Say a scholar says something that you guys you know don't agree with a hundred percent, right? What do you do? Do you give him a strike? Do you continue? Do you just completely cut him off, or do you say, "Hey, you know this guy, you know he slipped up." What I like, he has you a know lot what? Of good things to say. I, I would say this one before we then. First of all, you need to analyze yourself. First of all, is something clear cut haram? Like I'm not talking about like. You know, uh, if it's called it alcohol, it's halal, right? To drink, mm-hmm. right? No. But that's clear cut. But if there's things where you don't know yourself, you have to ask yourself, what gives you the credibility to say what's right and wrong? Are you a scholar? Do you the, know? The, the problem is, is that a lot of ignorant people, they don't have the knowledge to even realize how little they know. And that's what I'm trying to I'm give advice yeah. here. You have to look inside yourself and say, listen, what credibility do you have to even say that this person is right and wrong? Humble yourself. That that's the way we get in a problem. Now, there's many times where people will say things they have different opinions on all the time. But how come we always make excuses for those people, but but not for the scholars? Your friend, I may say something stupid to you right now, but you're not gonna stop being my friend. You know, oh, he's dumb. He said he's just how he is. He says yeah, dumb homies, things. Doc. Right? I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I say racist <laughs> things all the time. You know me, right? But I just say them, right? But you know me, right? Yeah. They don't stop being friends with me. You picked me up the other day. Yeah. Right? I bummed the ride off you. Same thing. Why don't we make an excuse for the scholar? I mean, he has, if anything, he has more of a test. The, the shaitan can affect him more. He has more scrutiny. He has more stress. I mean, all these things. But we never make that excuse. And why don't we do that? Because that's the way the shaitan plays on it. He, he wants you to be to attack the scholars and cause division because he knows that if you by doing that you can't benefit. Mm. It's such mm. interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I, I don't want to drag this out for too long, so um, yeah. let's uh let's wrap it up. Actually, um, uh, you know, I'm sure there's something else we could talk about next time uh, that kind of relates to this. But um, yeah, for now though, I just wanted to uh, I just wanted to just wrap up. Is there anything you guys that's cool? Say? Can I, can I say one quick thing if you don't mind? Just <laughs> Go for uh, it. It'll be less than a minute, hopefully. There's a awesome advice that somebody gave to me. Um, I would say in the mid '90s, and this was really important. Wow, that mid '90s. Yeah, and there's <laughs> so a reason old. why I'm saying that. Taking the, it back. The reason why I'm saying throwback that is, Thursday. Uh, TBT. It, <laughs> it's very applicable, I think, because we know the mid '90s were very different than it is now. Um, somebody told me this, and it was in a gathering. He said that everyone should always remember that they have to carry Islam as if they are the last Muslim. There's no Muslims left on this earth. Wow, deep. Because if you did that, now around people, it doesn't matter who says what or anything. You want to preserve everything you can, and you're going to be as lenient as you can. You're, and not only that, you look about yourself now. If you're the only Muslim left, if, if, you, if something happens to you because of your own recklessness, um, then you've lost, everything has gone, right? Everything's mm-hmm. gone. So you even have to preserve yourself, your health, your wealth. You have to preserve everything to make sure that Islam flourishes properly. That's deep. Right? You have to. And I love that. And it always stuck with me. And that's one thing Basically, that I, you have to survive. You have to survive. And when you're surviving, aspect. you don't care who's what. Yeah. You just you want to derive benefit from them. Survive. You want to take benefit yeah. from them. You don't care about anything else. Yeah. Right? And that's that's something that I always, you know, give advice. So anyone out there who's struggling with, you know, oh, you know, I'm confused about this or why does, what is this person saying? Maybe this group is right and wrong. No, it's none of that. You're the last Muslim alive and you have to survive. That's all that is. All right. Two yeah. quick points I want to make. Um my motto is always take the good, whatever you disagree with, let it go. Um, second thing, going back to them, the name of the uh, podcast, the Mad Mamluks. The Abbasid Khilafah was almost it was completely destroyed by the Mongols, and the Ummah was in division. There was the the Mamluk Sultan in it, and 
in Egypt and in Syria there was another faction who was not allied with the Abbasid Khilafah and these two groups of Muslims realized that they had a huge responsibility on their shoulders that if the Muslims were not protected or were, did not fight back or did not unite against this huge threat of the Mongols that all the Muslims will be destroyed and that North Africa will be open to the Mongols and there will be nothing that can stop them. And at, on his way to march into Syria, uh, Sultan um, Qutus, he got many different types of people. Literally, people were just coming from uh, on his uh, as his armies they're marching towards Syria. There's groups of people who are joining his army and hearing his call that you know we have to push back the Mongols. <clears throat> Realizing this this facet of Islam, where we have a huge problem on our hands, where we have people who don't want Muslims in this country, in the United States. We have people who are trying to destroy Islam in any way possible, whether it's nonviolent or in a violent manner. We as Muslims have to come together and overlook our differences. There was no claims for the, the Khilafah when uh, Sultan Qutus and his army were we're trying to sort it out. We're trying to sort out the Mongol problem. There was nobody who was talking about, well, who, who, where's the Abbasids and who's going to be the leader after we win? There was none of that discussion. It was, we have to unite. And that's what the message I want to just deliver. Yeah, those are awesome points. Um, if anyone has any questions or stories, um, you know, once again, just please email us. Uh, our email account is themadmumluks at gmail.com T-H-E-M-A-D-M-A-M-L-U-K-S at gmail.com We also have a Twitter handle at uh, themadmumluks and uh, a Facebook account also at themadmumluks um, I don't know if we want to open the floor to uh, any scholarly questions Amr, would you be open to taking those? Oh, I, I'd be more than happy to Yeah, um, you know, please email us uh, any any stories, any any questions for our scholar who's uh, pretty well-educated, actually. I'm, um, I'm not going to give you probably the best answer you're looking for, but I'll try. I can do my own research <laughs> after you give me a question. Ask him the weird questions. <laughs> <laughs> is Pokemon allowed in Islam? Great. <laughs> <laughs> you saw that. that but, uh, question on <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening, and until uh, next time, Mad Mamouks out. Oh, sorry. Thanks, Sam. Salam alaikum. <laughs>